Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, mother, and the voice behind the Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there's an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I made this podcast just for you. Disclaimer, if you feel you have lymphedema but have not been diagnosed, please see your medical professional as this podcast is not a replacement for a diagnosis in person, a treatment in person from your certified lymphedema therapist, or a substitution for your doctor's medical advice. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to today's episode of Lymphedema Podcast. I am so happy you are joining me today for this discussion with Dr. Jared Cohen. We are going to be talking about how the lymphatic system is formed and hopefully getting to some mutations that cause disruption that many of us know present as swelling and lymphedema and other issues. So Dr. Cohen, welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. You are welcome. So. I want, I mean, I didn't really introduce where you're at. You're at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, and you are a clinical fellow there for hematology and oncology. Um, What is your connection? Why is lymphedema special to you? Yeah, so um, as you know, but for all the the listeners out there, our daughter, who's 11 years old, uh, Ruby, has a... uh, uh, central conducting lymphatic anomaly, um, which we'll get more into as the show kind of unfolds, but uh, it is a subtype of a complex lymphatic anomaly uh, that um, she's been dealing with since about five years old. Um, and so kind of in our search of trying to figure out what exactly this rare disorder is and uh, how to best treat it, um, I have gotten involved in that world and as, uh, a clinical oncologist for adults, um, we use some of the same medications that are used for, uh, these disorders and, uh, in the management of this, um, Ruby and some of the other patients that we know, um, see a pediatric oncologist who manages some of their medications. So. Uh, it's kind of that intersection of, you know, unfortunately having a kiddo with this and then, uh, you know, being in the field that's, you know, sparked my interest in some of the research and the understanding of what drives the disease. I know Ruby because of coming to camp and being a part of Bryland's feet. And actually, I do know you too. I'm always kind of like, do I tell people how many hats I wear? Do I tell them <laughs> I already know my guests? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, it was a really, it was a really big pleasure to just have you and Julie both at camp this summer, um, and getting to see Ju- uh, Ruby over the last few summers and kind of how she's grown and changed. And some of that comes with changes in her lymphatic issues and the presentation and the severity and. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to get in here and talk about some of these objectives today. 
I will say that both Dr. Cohen and myself are on a bit of a time crunch. And so we're going to try to get to about six objectives today. But if we don't finish that, we will record the rest of this um, episode at another time. And that portion will likely include some of the medications um, that are used for these mutations that are causing these lymphatic disruptions. So we're going to jump into the very first question or the very first objective. And we're just going to talk about the structure, the function, the development of our lymphatic system. Yeah, so I think it's a good starting place, um, you know, to understand kind of how things should normally form in order to understand, um, you know, what's going on in disorders that are related to uh, uh, problems in the formation um, of the lymphatic system and what we can do to try to counterbalance some of that with medications that we use. So just for level set by way of introduction, um, as many of the listeners probably know, uh, the lymphatic system is responsible for several things. Um, number one, um, it reabsorbs lots of fluid that, uh, you know, within our body, we have lots of fluid, most of which stays within the circulation of our blood vessels and our lymphatic vessels. Um, and, um, it's not a perfect system and some of that fluid will seep out into non uh, lymphatic or vascular uh, structures like your tissue and that causes edema and that's what we see in our patients who have lymphedema where they have swelling of an extremity this is fluid that uh, is otherwise supposed to be kept inside uh, the tubes of the lymphatic system that um, are unable to do so because of some problem in the formation of that. So uh, importantly, and number one, the lymphatic system helps to reabsorb a lot of that, that fluid that's within the tissues and send it back ultimately to the heart for recirculation and uh, then ultimately to the kidneys and you pee it out. Um, so uh, the other critical portion of the lymphatic system is as an immune organ. So uh, your immune system is responsible for inflammation and for fighting off infections. And uh, generally the lymphatic system is there to <coughs> help identify uh, particular uh, infections or foreign things that shouldn't be within your body uh, and send that information uh, from the area where that is occurring to uh, way stations like lymph nodes uh, and in doing so it allows then the recruitment of the immune system to fight off these infections um, and so again um, thinking with that in mind when we think about these kiddos that have uh, problems with the formation of the lymphatic system one thing that we're always fighting against is um, particularly skin and soft tissue infections uh, and that's because uh, they're lymphatic system is is underperforming and and not allowing the immune system uh to rev up identify and eradicate uh you know infections that uh otherwise we wouldn't have any problem with so one can imagine you know when somebody who has lymphedema in a leg is constantly you know walking on the ground we're constantly in contact with uh certain bacteria that 
uh, is all around us in the world. And so if you can't, uh, you know, have that good crosstalk that says, hey, this shouldn't be here, let's get it out. That's when you really have a setup for things like cellulitis and recurrent infections that we see a lot with uh, these lymphedema folks. Um, the lymphatic... The cellulitis. Yeah, go ahead. For those skin infections, I try to explain it to people, and this isn't just pediatric, this is across the spectrum, really. I like to explain it as, so you're on like a four lane interstate or highway or whatever road you want to call it. And traffic is already, you know, pretty bad, but then there's a wreck and the wreck is kind of between exits and the on-ramp. And so the responders, the police, the fire department, the ambulance, the people who need to help you and get you out of there, they can't get to you because you have this big traffic jam around you. And so that's kind of how I explain like a cellulitis or a skin infection uh, when they're like, well, why can't my body just fight it off? Like, well, there's so much going on around that when those responder cells are sent out to fight off that bacteria, when your immune system tries to do its job, there's so much around it that it can't get to it. And then by that time, it's kind of like caught fire on the vehicles around it in a way. And so it's kind of like spread it out. And so that's kind of, it's not the best analogy, but I find that people can relate pretty well to that as far as like a backup and not being able to get the help you need for that one little instance. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it. You know, uh, you know, the the uh, problems that give rise to cellulitis, I, I think that it's it's not something wrong with, uh, you know, the ambulances or the rescue vehicles in your analogy, but it's but it's that inability for those to kind of traffic back and forth to lymph nodes um, and then for you know, that immune response once it's recognized at the lymph nodes to then travel back to the site of injury uh, and fix that. Um, and so, uh, you know, that coupled with the fact that oftentimes it's on a leg and, you know, kiddos are constantly, uh, you know, getting scratched and playing hard and coming into contact with, uh, you know, the ground, like for Ruby in Ruby's case, you know, her, she's been lucky enough to only have a few episodes of cellulitis, but they've always kind of been in like the summer months where she's been barefoot and, uh, or has been swimming in fresh water or something like that. Um, so it's hard because the exposure is constantly around us in the environment. Um, and, and so, yeah, so, so that, so that's an important function of the lymphatic system that, uh, is responsible for fighting off infection. And, and then, as I mentioned, also in, uh, maintaining the fluid balance in the, in the tissues. Um, there's a couple of other things that the lymphatics do that are important. And uh, like we had, we have one camper and this can be commonly seen in, in some other forms of, uh, of lymphatic uh, anomalies where uh, you can have communication with the gut intestine. And uh, because of that, uh, you can lose protein. So the lymphatic system is responsible for reabsorbing protein in the gut. And so if it's not doing that in a good way, uh, or if you have a connection from the lymphatic system to the gut in a way that's not normal, uh, you can lose a lot of those proteins uh, when you're going to the bathroom in your stool. And that can cause lots of problems, uh, again, with fighting off infections or with swelling as some of the proteins that are lost in that process um, are responsible for fluid balance or, or may be responsible for 
um, you know, forming things like antibodies against infection. So, um, you know, as you start to peel back the layers of this, you can start to understand how individualized and, you know, certainly Betty, you know, this, um, you know, each case is just a little bit different as far as, you know, how they present and how that presentation, you know, affects what the problems are for the patients and, you know, trying to find individualized treatment plans. It's, it's oftentimes a very kind of, you, you know, patient by patient um, solution that you're looking for. Yeah. And that's honestly, sometimes that's where like support groups and um, think sharing can sometimes get dangerous because not everyone will present the same way. Not everyone responds the same way. And people are so desperate, rightfully so, to get some relief and to have some improvement in their swelling and their health that they'll kind of try anything anyone else has tried. And sometimes that will exacerbate what they have going on. Sometimes it will help and sometimes it does nothing. And that's because literally every single person is wired differently. Um, because you don't know where those connections are. You don't know where those connections have failed. You don't know what is connected that's not supposed to be connected. And right. so even learning about the um, intestinal lymphatics, that was something to me as a therapist that kind of blew my mind and then made a lot of sense. It blew my mind and then it made sense. But I'm like, I just expected it to be arms and legs because that's the summary and the gist of what we're told about. But then right. as you get into this onion and you're like, oh, there's more. Oh, there's more wait, there's more. And so it's wild. Um, I really appreciate you kind of digging into that too. When we think about, you know, our lymphedema patients in general, you know, we're often thinking about the adults that, you know, have lymphedema, you know, secondary to, you know, a surgery for cancer or a trauma or something like that. And, you know, that's really very different, um, you know, than what we're talking about here where, you know, it really can, can affect, you know, lots of different parts, uh, of the body, uh, and it's not localized. And we get more, a little bit more into, uh, you know, the, the pathology of, uh, how things go wrong. You know, what we, what we think is happening is it's kind of like a mosaic where you have, you know, this problem that's in some, but not all of the lymphatic system. And it it really is random chance as far as, you know, what areas are affected and what what aren't. And sometimes it skips different areas or uh, Mm -hmm. it can be involved in, you know, a right arm and a left leg. Um, You know, I often ask people to try to think about like a tabby cat where you have, you know, spots of different colors on them. And, you know, that's really a a kind of a a genetic mosaicism where, you have, you know, certain certain areas that are programmed to express different colors. And, you know, in the lymphatic system, sometimes you have, you know, patches of normal lymphatics, and then you have areas that are not normal. Um, and, and it really depends on, uh, you know, when in development uh, the mutation happens. And, and that's why it can also be very difficult to, you know, bunch all of these cases together. I hope you're enjoying listening to this episode so far. I want to jump in and tell you guys that you should be definitely checking out the sponsors who support Lymphedema Podcast. This year, our sponsors are Eros Medical, Play, which is Pediatric Lymphedema Alliance, Medi, and Juzo. 
Go check out their websites. Go check out their Instagrams and their social medias and find them so that they can help you power through your lymphedema journey. Yeah. So speaking of things that kind of have their own function and different structures, let's talk about the thoracic duct and the cisterna chile. We'll hit on those real quick before we move on to our next point for some information on specific structures and their functions. So yeah, like you were saying, you know, the way I like to think about the lymphatic system is like a highway, or sometimes I'll explain it to to patients um, as like a tree, you know, where out in the fingertips, you have kind of the most distant branches of a tree, which are small. And, you know, as you move towards the center part of the body, you know, you get to bigger and bigger branches until you ultimately get to the trunk of the tree. Um, And that trunk really is fundamentally made up of two very important and large structures. Uh, The first is that cisterna chile, and that is receiving lymphatic flow from the intestines, as well as lymphatic flow from the liver, and as well as lymphatic flow from the lower extremities, the legs. Uh, and they all kind of converge, you know, again, in that highway uh, type of thing, it would be you know, like the merging of three, you know, large, uh, large uh, streets into an interstate, if you will, uh, in the cisterna chile, which is uh, kind of uh, located in the kind of just above the belly button area, uh, kind of mm-hmm. where the rib cage uh, uh, diaphragm uh, are. And from there, uh, it then moves upwards until uh, depositing uh, in one of the main veins, uh, the left subclavian, uh, which then goes into the heart for recirculation. And that conduit that brings it from the cisterna chile to to the heart is is the thoracic duct. And so uh, it's important to understand that, you know, if you're thinking about this, this tree-like uh, analogy, you know, if, if you have a big old problem, you know, closer to the trunk, that can have the potential to cause, you know, swelling throughout a lot of the branches of the tree. Whereas, you know, if you had a problem that was maybe just in one limb of the tree, the rest of the tree might be unaffected. Um, and when we do have disruptions in either the cisterna chile or the thoracic duct, uh, that is generally termed um, central lymphatic uh, abnormalities. Um, and those manifestations can have lymphedema, but can also have problems related to uh, this uh, intestinal, uh, uh, what, what's called protein-losing enteropathy, which was what I was talking about before, where you, you spill some critical proteins uh, into your intestines and out through the stool. So, um that that is essentially kind of the structure of of the lymphatics uh, it, it kind of uh mirrors uh the circulatory system in our body uh you know where you have um it's everywhere um and, and it goes from kind of smallest to biggest as you move centrally all right so let's let's hop into in our last few minutes the spectrum of lymphatic malformations and what complex lymphatic anomalies we are currently aware of or newly aware of even i bet some of this stuff is going to be new to me yeah so um 
you know, the, the lymphatic malformations uh, arise when you have, you know, a, a mutation in genes that are generally there that program these lymphatic little itty bitty bud cells when you're forming as, as a baby uh, in your mom and tells those lymphatics to form uh, these, these tree-like vessels. Uh, and those tree-like vessels are not just kind of blind tubes, right? They have valves in them and they uh, are highly specialized tissue. And the way that they form into what they are is through kind of this orchestrated um, set of signaling uh, 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 molecules that program the cell to grow up and be a functional lymphatic vessel. Um, and uh, due to mutations in that programming, uh, there can be uh, abnormalities that develop uh, within that developmental programming. Um, and while we understand some of um, those mutations and what their implications are, we still know very little about why this mutation causes this set of problems, whereas this mutation causes that set of problems, or even more more confusingly, why the same mutation will cause, you know, just a little bitty problem in one kiddo, but a huge problem in another individual. Um, and so that's something that's, you know, still being looked at. But in general, these lymphatic malformations kind of come in, you know, two broad categories. You have these, what are called simple uh, lymphatic malformations. And these are more like, solitary or isolated almost masses that develop in kiddos um, uh, you can almost think of them as kind of like a birthmark type of thing um, oftentimes they can be in the neck of kids and they form these cyst like structures and uh, they're not really widespread uh, but if they cause compression on local structures one can think if you have a a, a big mass in someone's neck you know, that can compress on critical blood vessels or nerves or, uh, you know, uh, the organs related to breathing or swallowing. Uh, and those are generally, uh, um, you know, fixed with a combination of surgery or some other type of interventional procedure. Um, what we see more often in pediatric or primary lymphedema are more of the complex uh, lymphatic abnormalities and you know in in contrast to you know having a single area in the neck or uh or uh somewhere else that you know forms this this one solitary mass uh, that can be problematic these complex lymphatic anomalies are more thought of as kind of a widespread problem so uh you know affecting you know multiple aspects again using this analogy of a tree uh you know lots of branches uh, and, and, and again, even within this group of complex lymphatic anomalies, uh, they can be further categorized, uh, based on how they, uh, present. So there are some that have a combination of multiple lymphatic anomalies plus other things. So, uh, some can cause problems with bone health or can cause problems in the way that your blood clots, um, or can cause problems with uh, fluid development. 
in certain organs in your body. Um, and then others are just related to kind of that central lymphatics that we talked about, uh, where you can have problems related to losing protein into your gut or with lymphedema in a limb. And so, um, you know, as, as you start to think and, and read about this stuff, you again, start to really realize how, uh, how diverse a set of, uh, of issues it is and, uh, and, uh, how complicated it can quickly become and how no two cases are really the same. Um, but at, at its root, uh, I think it's important to realize that, you know, it's this programming that has really gone awry, um, you know, when you're forming as a baby. And most of these cases, there are, there, there are cases of hereditary lymphedema where you, where you get it from your parents. And, you know, we have seen, uh, Betty, you know, these multiple generations of, of families that all have lymphedema. Um, but in the majority of cases, these are mutations that are thought to arise early when you're forming uh, in the womb um, as just a, you know, a chance uh, thing that happens. And, uh, and it really depends on when in the formation, uh, you know, they occur and where those, where those issues migrate to that really kind of determines, you know, what your individual problems might be. Yeah. I tell parents, specifically mothers, um, because when children are born with primary lymphedema, um, there's a lot of guilt as a mom who carried the baby and grew the baby. And, you know, did I eat this thing? Did I take the supplement? Did I have Twizzlers with red dye? And, you know, that's what caused this, you know, what was the issue? What happened? Um, and I know that there was a lot of misinformation in the decades past where mothers would have been told, well, it's just how you carried them. You know, it's just how they were in there. or It's just maybe how you laid or, you know, they were just kind of squished or whatever. But I tell mothers and parents in general that your lymphatic system is laid the foundation of your lymphatic system is laid in your fifth week of pregnancy so usually before you even know you're pregnant that foundation is you know this the splitting of the cells has happened um and that foundation is there and just as if your child was to be born blind or with maybe um, a missing limb or any other issue, a heart condition, a lung condition, or any other condition. It's not how you carry them. It's not generally anything you did. It is how it laid out, how the foundation was laid. Um, and it happens so early and so micro, micro, microscopic, um, that there's nothing we could really do. It is sadly by chance i think that that sometimes really ticks off parents when they're like well great that's that's not the answer i wanted either but yeah. it is true that it's just kind of how it happened and those were the cards that were dealt and that's what was laid out um in the womb and so i think it's helpful to know that and not to carry around this thought and this idea that it's something you did or something you ate um because there i mean there are environmental effects of things and that's a whole nother like dna conversation as well but i think in general this information is really helpful to know the structures to know that the foundation is laid and these genetic mutations can occur um, and sometimes 
not being genetic. It is just a, it's just a chance that happened. Um, I'm excited for us to get into imaging and the pharmaceuticals that are being used. That will be in our part two, whenever you and I get a chance to follow up. Um, is there anything in closing you want to add before we yeah, shut um, down this episode? Yeah, I think that's just a critical point that you brought up. You know, as an adult oncologist, you know, I on a daily basis are, um, you know, talking to patients about, uh, you know, how their cancers might have, you know, come to pass. And, and a lot of folks, and I think it's human nature, we're looking for a reason. And there is a lot of guilt and, and self-shame, you know, what did I do wrong uh, and this and that. And, and, you know, I, you know, I have to, you know, make them or allow them to be understanding of the fact that a lot of this is random chance. And as you mentioned, certainly there are, you know, environmental influences, you know, things like cigarette smoking and whatnot. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time it's just, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a bad luck event, you know, perhaps in, in years down the road, we'll look back and say, well, I can't believe we thought this was just chance, but, you know, for the best that we understand it at this point in time, um, you know, these are, you know, it, it's a, you know, it's a genetic mutation that, you know, these things happen, you know, genetic mutations happen because we're constantly, uh, our bodies are constantly, especially when we're forming as, as embryo, constantly in this process of, you know, making two cells from one. And in order to do that, you have to copy your entire DNA. And you can imagine, uh, you know, with millions and millions and millions of base pairs uh, in your DNA, you know, the, the, it's amazing that there are more of these chance things that happen. Um, right. And so I think that's really important for, for, uh, to pay for patients and particularly for, for moms and dads to understand that, no, this is not something that, you know, you did wrong or could have been done differently, but, you know, rather, you know, these are, this is just kind of a bad deck that, that has been dealt and trying to move beyond that to, to, you know, what some of the treatments are. So I'm looking forward to, you know, talking a little bit more in the next session about how these things are diagnosed better. And, you know, we're learning a lot about, you know, trying to uncover the differences between two patients and being able to, you know, map out the lymphatic system um, more completely so that we can identify all the, the, the problem areas, if you will. And then, you know, importantly, also getting into some of the particular genetic mutations that exist in in this disease and and some of the drugs that are now being brought, um, you know, forward to help combat those and, and some which have had some real success. So Mother Teresa says loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about our topic today. Remember, if there's a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share, lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.